0: morning. I hope you all are enjoying your sunny Sunday. I am so glad that it's not cloudy and it's not snowing. Woohoo! I want to start off this weekend with a cute little email I got from a fellow life churcher, Samantha Folks. And um, I thought it was so cute, I just have to share it with you. A United States Marine was attending some college courses between assignments He had completed missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. One of the courses had a professor who was an avowed atheist and a member of the ACLU. One day, the professor shocked the class when he came in. He looked up at the ceiling and flatly stated, God, if you are real, then I want you to knock me off this platform and I'll give you exactly 15 minutes to do it. The lecture room fell silent. You could hear a pin drop. 10 minutes went by, And the professor proclaimed, here I am, God. I'm still waiting. It got down to the last couple of minutes when the Marine got out of his chair, went up to the professor, and cold cocked him, (laughs) knocking him flat off the platform. The professor was out cold. The Marine went back to his seat and sat there silently. The other students were shocked and stunned and sat there looking on in silence. The professor eventually came to, noticeably shaken, looked at the Marine and asked, What in the world is the matter with you? Why would you do that? The Marine calmly replied, God was too busy today protecting American soldiers who are protecting your right to say stupid stuff and act like an idiot. So I did it. Yeah, woohoo, way to go Marine, huh? I want to speak to you this weekend about one of my passions. So I'm going to get a little um, fiery, maybe a little excited, and I may even cry, which if you know me at all is not that big of a surprise. But some of you are probably sitting there going, she's the pastor's wife? Okay, she's not this little shy, timid, little mousy thing. You know, no, I'm pretty sassy, and I can get pretty saucy, and I can be a spitfire if you let me, so um, just want to warn you, uh, I do talk a little funny. Um, since I'm from southern Wisconsin, I have more of that accent, so um, there will probably be a few y'alls mixed in somewhere in there, and you may have to listen a little harder. Um, when I get excited, it tends to come out more, so y'all ready? <laughs> I have had a passion for missions Since I was around the age of eight, nine, or 10, somewhere around in there. And I started watching the nightly news with Tom Brokaw. And you are probably thinking, you were eight when you started watching the nightly news? It wasn't because I was trying to be all smart and all that, it's because I had this huge crush on Tom Brokaw. (laughs) I thought he was so cute. So I would just sit there and watch. Eventually, some of the stories started sinking in and affecting me as a child. And one of them was when they started showing stories of the famine in Ethiopia. And I remember as a child sitting there watching the children with the swollen bellies and the dark eyes that looked blank and the flies that kept circling their mouths In their eyes and would go in their noses. And I was just shocked. The moms with the complete look of hopelessness on their faces. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go there. I have to go there. I want to go there. It took 30, uh, somewhere around in there. I'm not going to get too defined with you. Years later, before God actually did send me. And he blessed me enough to invite women from Life Church to go along. And five other women stood up and said they would come with me. And we went back in September of this last year in 2009. And it was an awesome experience. When we got there, finally after the 20-some-odd-hour f- flight there, we got out and we went through and got our baggages and we found our driver and our translator. And we all got out and we're walking down the path from the airport to the van. I just started bawling, uncontrollably. I was like, I cannot believe I'm here. After all this time and all of the time that has spent and everything that's happened in my life has led me to this point. The seed that God planted when I was a child and it finally came full grown into the harvest in September. It was just so overwhelming to be there. It was awesome. I want to tell you that if God placed a promise, a dream, a vision in your heart when you were eight or when you're 88, it doesn't matter. He never forgets his promises to you. If you live your life with your hands, palms up, and you say, your will be done in my life, that promise will come true. I wanna start with um, my message being explaining a little bit about the give to the third power. I'm gonna talk about three different ways that you can give. You don't have to do all of them, but you, you can, but you don't have to. The first one I wanna give you give to the first power of yourself financially. Give in the first power of yourself financially. You can follow along on the back of your program guide. I have some blanks for you to fill in if you so desire, or you can draw little flowers and little hearts and, you know, doodle if you so choose. My first scripture is Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, Remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. My next scripture is Proverbs 19.27. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, oh great, she's going to talk about money no, I'm not really here to talk about money. I'm here to talk about your heart and what we consider as being blessed or being wealthy. For you see, I know we all have money, and what we choose to do with it is our choice. But I want to give you some stats that I came over a little over a year ago and how they affected me and what I thought about them. And then I want you to see if you consider yourself wealthy. My first one. If you make $35,000 annually, you are in the top 4% of wealth in this world. College students will graduate this year, 2010, and they will go out into the workforce and they will say, I'm going to make at least $35,000 a year. Many of us in this room make that, if not more. My next one. If you make $50,000 annually, you are in the top 1% of wealth in this world. Most families, two income, both of you are working, are going to be making $50,000, if not more, way more than that. There's nothing wrong with that. That is the American dream. We work hard for it. We deserve it. But God gave us that and blessed us with that for a reason. My next three stats, the first one, 18,000 children will die today from hunger. Today. And tomorrow tomorrow. And the next day, and so on, and so on. 18,000 children a day from hunger. I sit and I think this morning of how I had to compel Ava to eat her cereal. Please eat your cereal. And then, you know, it moves week to week. What's the hot food that we're not gonna eat? And we scrape it off into the dishwasher, into the garbage disposal or we scoop it off what they don't eat into the trash, or we go to wonderful places to eat here, and they serve us platters of food for one person. And I think, how much food we waste in a day. I'll never forget when we were in Ethiopia, and we went to, it was so funny, uh, they do not let the West in to Ethiopia. And we went to this restaurant called New York, New York. It was crazy. They thought they were so American. And um, we... We ate there as a team, and they were the, our guides were so excited to take, to take us there because they thought it was just like the coolest place to eat, and we were all like, okay, but when we left with our bags of food, and we walked out because our plan was to give it away, we nearly started a riot. There were kids and adults fighting over our leftovers, and I think Many times we bring the leftovers home and they sit in our refrigerator and they start to be a science project. 18,000 children will die today from hunger. Next, 40% of the world drinks wastewater. 40% of the world drinks wastewater. Many of us have those awesome refrigerators that have the... um, water purification system in them and you put your cup up to the door and water comes out and it's good and it's clean. Then some of us have those cute little gadgets that fit onto your kitchen faucet from Brita or Pure and you turn a little knob and clean water that's been filtered comes out of it. If you don't have any of that, you know you can go to the store at any time and buy cases of bottled water that you know is clean and fresh to drink. Next, one billion people on this planet cannot sign their name. That is one-sixth of this world's population cannot sign their name. Many of us look at these three, food, water, and education, as the basics. We expect that. We pay taxes to ensure we have clean water and that our kids get a good education. And we have fair-paying jobs that we know the wage is worthy of the work so that we can provide food for our family and for ourselves. But in many places in this world, those are considered luxuries, to have a good-paying job, to have clean water, to have food, and to have an education. Not the basics, but a luxury in life. Can you afford to give? I'm going to be telling three stories today of three women. Um, Not that men aren't doing great things. It's just that I found three women that I really want to tell their story. The first one is of Jessica. She is married. She's a pastor's wife, and she has four children. Her and her husband watched the movie Hotel Rwanda. Some of you may have seen it. If not, let me explain a little bit. In 100 days, a million people were killed. Women, men, boys and girls were killed in Rwanda due to a genocide. And they were compelled to go. It took them a few years of saving up their money, but they went on a missions trip there, and they loved on the women and on the children. When they left to come back home, Jessica could not get out of her head the sight of the 300,000 orphans there and the 55,000 women that were dying of AIDS. She knew she had to do something, but as in many of us, we sit there and we say, I'm financially, there's a roadblock there. What can I do? I have no extra money. But she felt compelled, so she prayed. And the Lord told her to start her own business. Being a mom of four, you're very limited in what you can actually go out to do to be able to make any money. And she started selling Arbonne. For those of you that do not know what Arbonne is, it is like an Avon equivalent. Um, And she started selling it, saying and proclaiming that 100% of her profits would go to Rwanda, to this organization that's there on the ground, and they're being there for a relief, total relief effort. Within six months of her selling Arbonne, she was doing so well, The Lord blessed her so greatly that she was able to get one of the Arbonne Mercedes-Benz. That quickly, she rose straight to the top. She started being asked to speak at conventions and, and conferences to tell her story. And she got to go out and proclaim what was going on in Rwanda and how the Lord had blessed her. She was giving her testimony to many people that did not know the Lord. A hundred percent of what she made, she gave back. Now, I'm not telling you to sign over your paycheck. I'm not telling you to give a certain dollar amount. I'm telling you just to open your heart. Open your heart, open your mind, and see what he has for you. Has he blessed you in a certain way? Has he given you a talent or a gift to be able to go and do something that you can use To bless other people financially. My second give give to the second power of yourself spiritually. Give to the second power of yourself spiritually. For far too long, we Christians have been living the lies of Satan. He's been feeding us this one person can't make a difference. One person can't change the world. Why try and do anything at all? It's too overwhelming. Who are you anyway to think that you could do something? What could you possibly do to help anyone? Wow. We've been letting him tell us these lies and these stories about how worthless we are. And that we really don't matter. But I tell you, Christ said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. In Galatians 2.20, that we are crucified with Christ, and is no longer I live, but he lives in me. What have you done in his name lately for others spiritually? Satan has been holding you down in the belief that you're a nobody. A no one, a nothing, a zero? I'm here to tell you today that you are more than a conqueror. It's time for you to get out, get out there and start proclaiming his name to a dark and dying world. They desperately need to see you and the difference that he has made in you. Go out there. Make a difference in someone's life this year. You may be sitting there asking the question, how? How am I supposed to do this? Aaron reminded us last week that Christ said to love our neighbor as ourself. What a great place to start. Your neighbor next door, your neighbor across from you at work, next to you on the line, your neighbor at Speedway who checks you out every day when you go by to get your breakfast burrito and your coffee. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor that you can go and touch and make a difference? Has someone in your neighborhood lost their job? And they've got little kids and the mom stays at home. Have you gone out and said, I'd like to make you dinner every Tuesday? Go out. Make a difference. You may be like, there is no way I'm going to my neighbor's house and doing that. Then? Maybe you need to sit down and make it a matter of prayer. Pray for guidance and direction. Whom to help, where to help, and how to help. Get out there. Get out there and make a difference. Believe you me, you pray that prayer, it will not take you long before he starts giving you opportunity after opportunity to make a difference, to give of yourself spiritually. It's time to stop believing the lies that Satan has told us and for us to stand up, And to get out there. The story I want to share with you is of Carolyn. And now her story makes me cry. So just get ready. I'm probably going to have like a moment. Even though this is my third time, I could read it several times a day. And it just makes me want to cry. So don't think, oh, she's losing it. No, I'm not. I promise. Carolyn was an executive for Fox. And she hated her job. So she quit. And she and a friend decided they were going to go and travel the world for a year. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would love to be able to do that. Her friend asked her, she goes, can we just stop in India? I want to stop. I've been sponsoring a child there for a while, and I want to see if he really exists. Have you ever done that if you've sponsored a child? You've ever gone and said, hmm, if I went to such and such village... Would I find this child? Well, they did. They found this child in this orphanage in this remote part of India. And they decided to spend the day there. What they found was 100 smiling little children that were severely malnourished and all shaved bald. This is her story in her own words. Later that evening, a little girl put her head on my knee. She was so tired. I picked her up, and she pushed her body into mine. I sang her a lullaby and rocked her to sleep. I went upstairs to find her crib and found 30 wooden slatted beds. No pillows, no mattresses, no blankets. Just wooden slats similar to a picnic table. It was chilling and incomprehensible. When I heard her bones hit that wooden bed, I broke. I couldn't believe she lived this way. I knew I had to do something to help her. I had to act. She came back to the States with her life savings and started the Miracle Foundation, hoping that she would be able to start adoptions coming through from India into the States. And she found out that India in its... Red tape was going to be a long, hard process. So she stopped, got with a friend, they reconfigured it, and they decided that the best option for her was to get partners and to start buying orphanages over in India. So far, she's bought five. And this is what has happened since she has bought them, completely redone them, and changed them, and made them into home-style orphanages. When a child leaves, this is what happens. They are educated, bilingual, computer literate, healthy, loved, and most important, eligible for college and marriage, the two elevators out of poverty. She now gets to sit and she meets on a regular basis with the Minister for Women and Child Welfare in India. And she sits and she gets to plan the future for thousands of Indian orphanages and orphans every day. God used her in a mighty way. How can he use you? What has he given you the ability and the talent to do? Romans 14, 12 states, Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Make sure your story shines. Make sure it's a complete reflection of him, that you're doing his work, that you're touching what matters most to God. My last point, give to the third power of yourself physically. Give in the third power of yourself physically. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I'm probably going to get a little bit into your kitchen right now, and I might step on your toes, but what I'm going to tell you is the truth. There is nothing as powerful as getting up off your duff and going, going out and making a difference, stepping out of your comfort zone and going. I know you're thinking, Tammy, I am busy. I have got kids. I've got a job. I've got a mortgage. There are things going on. We have sports. We have jobs. There are just too many things, and I cannot go. I tell you, We're all busy. But what really matters in the end is what Henry David Thoreau says. It's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are we busy about? Someday you're going to look up and you're going to see that 10, 15, 20, 30, how many ever years have passed you by, and you still haven't gone anywhere or done anything for him. You're in the same spot. It doesn't take him writing on the wall or him speaking to you in an audible voice for you to know if he wants you to go on a missions trip or you to go and do missions work. It's his desire. It's his plan. It's his goal for you to get out and to give of yourself, to completely give everything that you have of yourself for someone else. The question is, are you willing to give of yourself physically? to go and to be his hands and his feet. Are you willing to touch the untouchable? I never thought that when I left Ethiopia back in September that I'd be going back again in just two weeks. But I am. I'm going with Diane Studer, and we're going to go take the over 500 pairs of shoes that you brought and put underneath the Christmas tree with the angel giving. We're going to go, we're going to take them, and we're going to put them on the kids' feet. We're going to teach them how to tie shoelaces. We're going to go love on them. Are you willing to go and love the unlovable? You don't have to go all the way to Ethiopia to do that. There could be kids in your child's classroom that are hurting and crying out. There could be kids around the block. There's kids in downtown Milwaukee that needs you. Go, give of yourself. Are you willing to go? I beg you, I plead with you, please go. If you can't go global, go local. Find a place to give of yourself. Go and make a difference. The last story I have for you is through video, and it's of my friend Diane Studer, who went on the Ethiopia trip and started Souls for Jesus, and she got back. You see, Diane's no different than us. She's just one of us, a life churcher, and God spoke to her in a mighty way to do something to help change this world. Here's her story.
1: So here we are in the Souls for Jesus warehouse, and I just want to share with you a little bit about my story, the journey. Um, it was less than three months ago when a team of women from Life Church went to Ethiopia, Africa. When we came to the village, we were received warmly, and we didn't know that it was prophesied to these people many months earlier that women would come to visit visit their village and bless them and that day we were fulfilling that prophecy to them so that morning we played with the kids and met with the missionary and the adults but then around lunchtime he invited us into his home and he began to share with us his testimony about how God called him and his family to the middle of nowhere to build their village and when he was done sharing we asked if we could pray for him and he without hesitation humbled himself and just laid on that dirt floor and we gathered around him and began to pray for him. When he was finished, he stood to his feet and came around to us one by one and laid his hands on us. And if you ask any woman from that trip, it was the most amazing prayer meeting any of us have ever been in. But it was in that moment when he came and prayed for me that the Lord gave me a vision of the feet of the children and and the needs there that we had been seeing. All of us had noticed just the lack of shoes or the shoes that they have being broken or the wrong size. And... um. Then immediately after I, he showed me that, I saw the containers in my own basement of shoes that my kids have outgrown and just the excess that we have in this country and that was when he commissioned and called me to do something about it. He even gave me a name for the ministry, Souls for Jesus, along with the verse from Matthew, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, and it, it was a commissioning like I've never received before. I knew it would be life-changing. So as soon as I returned from the trip, this was one of the first things that I shared with my husband, and it was amazing how the Lord had prepared him as well. We knew when I was going on this trip that there would be an assignment of sorts, that I would come back with something, and we thought it may be in the form of a child, but that wasn't how the Lord directed. And I shared with him about Souls for Jesus, and it was that first night that I was asleep in the United States that he went online and purchased the website, Souls for Jesus. And it was such a sign to me that he also was on board that he shared this calling and this vision with me and so here we stand um three months later in the warehouse our website's been live for four weeks we've already had multiple drives going on and um people are just excited about what's going on and god's really blessing it this is kind of how the process works when we have a volunteer day we bring in a bunch of adults and kids and what we do is we size and we sort the shoes. We collect shoes from toddler size all the way up to adult size nine. And just in the few weeks that we've been in operation, we already have well over 700 shoes. There are drives going on at the local public schools, hair salons, churches, youth groups, all different organizations. And um, it's amazing already the response that we've received. That just at the Life Church drive alone, we've collected over 500 shoes. It's amazing how when you say yes to God, how he fills in all the missing pieces. When I got back and John and I talked about it, we thought, where do we start? It's amazing looking back in just the eight short weeks that it's been, how we have a warehouse, we have a website, we have an amazing team that the Lord has assembled. Nobody that we've sought out, everyone that the Lord has brought to us were filed as a 501c3. Uh, We still have a long ways to go, but it's amazing in eight weeks what God can do if you just say yes. He makes things possible that look impossible, and we're still on a journey. We still don't know a lot of the missing pieces, but He's faithful every time that we get to a point, and we need to know the answer. It's there, and the door opens.
0: Isn't that great? I have never thought about shoes so much in all my life as I have in the last three months. It is just crazy. I now find myself going to shoe departments to see what's clearanced so I can buy them. It's compelling, isn't it, to know that something as simple as shoes can truly change a child and give you an open door to be able to tell them about Jesus. I love it. It's just incredible. I want to close my message this weekend with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. This quote messes me up. Whenever I get to the point where I'm thinking a lot about myself or too much about what I want, what I would like to do, I read this quote. And this quote brings me back to reality. Not my reality, but his reality. I'll share it with you. It is horrible to be living to be saved, living to get to heaven, living to enjoy religion, and yet never to live to bless others and ease the misery of a moaning world. Do you know it is all nonsense to regard religion as a selfish spiritual trade by which we save our souls? Unless your religion tears you away from yourself and makes you live for something nobler than even your own spiritual good. You have not passed out of the darkness into the light of God. Let's pray.